Chapter One of The Monitor and the Merrimack Both Sides of the Story by John Warden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeffrey Smith, New Orleans, Louisiana. Chapter One The Monitor and the Merrimack Told by Lieutenant Warden and Lieutenant S. D. Green of the Monitor some weeks after the historic battle between the monitor and the merrimac in hampton roads on march ninth eighteen sixty two the former vessel came to the washington navy yard unchanged in the same condition as when she discharged her parting shot at the merrimac there she lay until her heroic commander had so far recovered from his injuries as to be able to rejoin his vessel all leaves of absence had been revoked the absentees had returned and were ready to welcome their captain president lincoln captain fox and a limited number of captain warden's personal friends had been invited to his informal reception lieutenant green received the president and the guests he was a boy in years not too young to volunteer however when volunteers were scarce and to fight the merrimac during the last half of the battle after the captain was disabled the president and the other guests stood on the deck near the turret the men were formed in lines with their officers a little in advance when captain warden ascended the gangway the heavy guns in the navy yard began firing the customary salute when he stepped upon the deck one side of his face was permanently blackened by the powder shot into it from the muzzle of a cannon carrying a shell of one hundred pounds weight discharged less than twenty yards away the president advanced to welcome him and introduced him to the few strangers present the officers and men passed in review and were dismissed then there was a scene worth witnessing the old tars swarmed around their loved captain they grasped his hand crowded to touch him thanked god for his recovery and return and invoked blessings upon his head in the name of all the saints in the calendar he called them by their names had a pleasant word for each of them and for a few moments we looked upon an exhibition of a species of affection that could only have been the product of a common danger when order was restored the president gave a brief sketch of captain warden's career commodore paulding had been the first captain warden the second officer of the navy he said to give an unqualified opinion in favor of armored vessels their opinions had been influential with him and with the board of construction captain warden had volunteered to take command of the monitor at the risk of his life and reputation before the keel was laid he had watched her construction and his energy had made it possible to send her to sea in time to arrest the destructive operations of the merrimac 
what he had done with a new crew and a vessel of novel construction we all knew he the president cordially acknowledged his indebtedness to captain warden and he hoped the whole country would unite in the feeling of obligation the debt was a heavy one and would not be repudiated when its nature was understood the details of the first battle between ironclads would interest everyone at the request of captain fox captain warden had consented to give an account of his voyage from new york to hampton roads and of what had afterward happened there on board the monitor in an easy conversational manner without any effort at display captain warden told the story of which the following is the substance i suppose he began that everyone knows that we left new york harbor in some haste we had information that the merrimac was nearly completed and if we were to fight her on her first appearance we must be on the ground the monitor had been hurried from the laying of her keel her engines were new and her machinery did not move smoothly never was a vessel launched that so much needed trial trips to test her machinery and get her crew accustomed to their novel duties we went to sea practically without them no part of the vessel was finished there was one omission that was serious and came very near causing her failure and the loss of many lives in heavy weather it was intended that her hatches and all her openings should be closed and battened down in that case all the men would be below and would have to depend upon artificial ventilation our machinery for that purpose proved wholly inadequate we were in a heavy gale of wind as soon as we passed sandy hook the vessel behaved splendidly the seas rolled over her and we found her the most comfortable vessel we had ever seen except for the ventilation which gave us more trouble than i have time to tell you about we had to run into port and anchor on account of the weather and as you know it was two o'clock in the morning of sunday before we were alongside the minnesota captain van brunt gave us an account of saturday's experience he was very glad to make our acquaintance and notified us that we must be prepared to receive the merrimac at daylight we had had a very hard trip down the coast and officers and men were weary and sleepy but when informed that our fight would probably open at daylight and that the monitor must be put in order every man went to his post with a cheer that night there was no sleep on board the monitor in the gray of the early morning we saw a vessel approaching which our friends on the minnesota said was the merrimac our fastenings were cast off our machinery started and we moved out to meet her halfway we had come a long way to fight her and did not intend to lose our opportunity 
before showing you over the vessel let me say that there were three possible points of weakness in the monitor two of which might have been guarded against in her construction if there had been more time to perfect her plans one of them was in the turret which as you see is constructed of eight plates of inch iron on the side of the ports nine set on in so as to break joints and firmly bolted together making a hollow cylinder eight inches thick it rests on a metal ring on a vertical shaft which is revolved by power from the boilers if a projectile struck the turret at an acute angle it was expected to glance off without doing damage but what would happen if it was fired in a straight line to the center of the turret which in that case would receive the whole force of the blow it might break off the bolt heads on the interior which flying across would kill the men at the guns it might disarrange the revolving mechanism and then we would be wholly disabled i laid the monitor close alongside the merrimac and gave her a shot she returned our compliment by a shell weighing one hundred and fifty pounds fired when we were close together which struck the turret so squarely that it received the whole force here you see the scar two and a half inches deep in the wrought iron a perfect mold of the shell if anything could test the turret it was that shot it did not start a rivet head or a nut it stunned the two men who were nearest where the ball struck and that was all i touched the lever the turret revolved as smoothly as before the turret had stood the test i could mark that point of weakness off my list forever you notice that the deck is joined to the side of the hull by a right angle at what sailors call the plank shear if a projectile struck that angle what would happen it would not be deflected its whole force would be expended there it might open a seam in the hull below the water line or pierce the wooden hull and sink us here was our second point of weakness i had decided how i would fight her in advance i would keep the monitor moving in a circle just large enough to give time for loading the guns at the point where the circle impinged upon the merrimac our guns should be fired and loaded while we were moving around the circuit evidently the merrimac would return the compliment every time at our second exchange of shots she returned six or eight to our two another of her large shells struck our plank shear at its angle and tore up one of the deck plates as you see the shell had struck what i believed to be the weakest point in the monitor we had already learned that the merrimac swarmed with sharpshooters for their bullets were constantly spattering against our turret and our deck if a man showed himself on deck he would draw their fire but i did not much consider the sharpshooters 
it was my duty to investigate the effects of that shot i ordered one of the pendulums to be hauled aside and crawling out of the port walked to the side lay down upon my chest and examined it thoroughly the hull was uninjured except for a few splinters in the wood i walked back and crawled into the turret the bullets were falling on the iron deck all about me as thick as hailstones in a storm none struck me i suppose because the vessel was moving and at the angle and when i was lying on the deck my body made a small mark difficult to hit we gave them two more guns and then i told the men what was true that the merrimac could not sink us if we let her pound us for a month the men cheered the knowledge put new life into all we had more exchanges and then the merrimac tried new tactics she endeavored to ram us to run us down once she struck us about midships with her iron ram here you see its mark it gave us a shock pushed us around and that was all the harm but the movement placed our sides together i gave her two guns which i think lodged in her side for from my lookout crack i could not see that either shot rebounded ours being the smaller vessel and more easily handled i had no difficulty in avoiding her ram i ran around her several times planting our shot in what seemed to be the most vulnerable places in this way reserving my fire until i got the range and the mark i planted two more shots almost in the very spot i had hit when she tried to ram us those shots must have been effective for they were followed by a shower of bars of iron the third weak spot was our pilot house you see that it is built a little more than three feet above the deck of bars of iron ten by twelve inches square built up like a log house bolted with very large bolts at the corners where the bars interlock the pilot stands upon a platform below his head and shoulders in the pilot house the upper tier of bars is separated from the second by an open space of an inch through which the pilot may look out at every point of the compass the pilot house as you see is a four square mass of iron provided with no means of deflecting a ball i expected trouble from it and i was not disappointed until my accident happened as we approached the enemy i stood in the pilot house and gave the signals lieutenant green fired the guns and engineer stimers here revolved the turret i was below the deck when the corner of the pilot house was first struck by a shot or a shell it either burst or was broken and no harm was done a short time after i had given the signal and with my eye close against the lookout crack was watching the effect of our shot something happened to me my part in the fight was ended 
lieutenant green who fought the merrimac until she had no longer stomach for fighting will tell you the rest of the story can it be possible that this beardless boy fought one of the historic battles of the world this was the thought of everyone as the modest diffident young green was half pushed forward into the circle i cannot add much to the captain's story he began he had cut out the work for us and we had only to follow his pattern i kept the monitor either moving around the circle or around the enemy and endeavored to place our shots as near her amidships as possible where captain warden believed he had already broken through her armor we knew that she could not sink us and i thought i would keep right on pounding her as long as she would stand it there is really nothing new to be added to captain warden's account we could strike her wherever we chose weary as they must have been our men were full of enthusiasm and i do not think we wasted a shot once we ran out of the circle for a moment to adjust a piece of machinery and i learned that some of our friends feared that we were drawing out of the fight the merrimac took the opportunity to start for norfolk as soon as our machinery was adjusted we followed her and got near enough to give her a parting shot but i was not familiar with the locality there might be torpedoes planted in the channel and i did not wish to take any risk of losing our vessel so i came back to the company of our friends but except that we were all of us tired and hungry when we came back to the minnesota at half past twelve p m the monitor was just as well prepared to fight as she was at eight o'clock in the morning when she fired the first gun we were then shown the injury to the pilot house the mark of the ball was plain upon the two upper bars the principal impact being upon the lower of the two this huge bar was broken in the middle but held firmly at either end the farther it was pressed in the stronger was the resistance on the exterior on the inside the fracture in the bar was half an inch wide captain warden's eye was very near to the lookout crack so that when the gun was discharged the shock of the ball knocked him senseless while the mass of flame filled one side of his face with coarse grains of powder he remained insensible for some hours have you heard what captain warden's first inquiry was when he recovered his senses after the general shock to his system asked captain fox of the president i think i have replied mr lincoln but it is worth relating to these gentlemen his question was said captain fox have i saved the minnesota yes and whipped the merrimac someone answered then said captain warden i don't care what becomes of me mr president said captain fox not much of the history to which we have listened is new to me i saw this battle from eight o'clock until midday 
there was one marvel in it which has not been mentioned the splendid handling of the monitor throughout the battle the first bold advance of this diminutive vessel against a giant like the merrimac was superlatively grand she seemed inspired by nelson's order at trafalgar he will make no mistake who lays his vessel alongside the enemy one would have thought the monitor a living thing no man was visible you saw her moving around that circle delivering her fire invariably at the point of contact and heard the crash of the missile against her enemy's armor above the thunder of her guns on the bank where we stood it was indescribably grand now he continued standing here on the deck of this battle-scarred vessel the first genuine ironclad the victor in the first fight of the ironclads let me make a confession and perform an act of simple justice i never fully believed in armored vessels until i saw this battle i know all the facts which united to give us the monitor i withhold no credit from captain erickson her inventor but i know that the country is principally indebted for the construction of this vessel to president lincoln and for the success of her trial to captain warden her commander End of chapter one